Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast and Radio Show. Coming to you on this Monday, July the 5th, 2021. Hopefully it finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. And hopefully you had an amazing 4th of July holiday, which I'll jump into in a second. But before I do, the podcast is brought to you by my homies at Beam CBD. You know it is the product I take to go to sleep every single night. In fact, I take the Dream product specifically. comes in a powder and in capsules, melatonin. I think they got magnesium up in there, uh, some L-theanine. They have 20 milligrams of nano CBD as well. It is not habit-forming. Uh, it's lab-tested. It will not get you high. You'll not fail a drug test. You won't wake up feeling groggy and hungover, but you will fall asleep and you'll stay asleep. And I've noticed I wake up way less frequently when I take it. Uh, I probably take it five to six nights a week. There might be one night where I don't take it if I try to stay up a little bit later, which for me is probably uh, like 10 o'clock or something. Actually, on my trip home, uh, I stayed up late one night watching, uh, what was that movie? Uh, The Tomorrow War, Chris Pratt's in it. It's like an Amazon movie. I just happened to click on it and like 20 minutes in, I'm like, oh, it seems pretty good. I kind of like that alien shit, some of it. Uh, So I watched that and I was up to like, like probably midnight Midwest time, which is 10 o'clock in Arizona, which is super late for me. So I didn't take it that night, but most nights I do take uh, that product. And so Heather takes the powder always. I do the powder and the pills. She actually takes all the products. They have a clarity product. They have tinctures. They have salves. It's great. We have the founders on the podcast. Super cool dudes. If you're interested, site beamtlc.com. The code Jeremy Scott gets you guys 35% off all products, 20% off all subscriptions, anytime. And honestly, if you want to try the dream product, I think I have about 200 uh, samples here. Excuse me. We did our Sunday advanced Metcon today on Monday. And uh, I try to take it easy. But about 10 minutes in, I turned into John Wick and I tried to kill everybody. So I'm living with the, uh, the bird flu right now. So if I cough, I apologize. But if you want to try the dream product, I can have Monica send you guys a couple of packs. You can try it for a few nights, see what you think. Just fill out the contact page on the website, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you guys message us, and we will get you a couple of sample packs to try. Otherwise, go to the site, beamtlc.com, put in the code Jeremy Scott, and you guys can get hooked up with all of the free discounted stuff right there. Also, podcast is brought to you by my homies at Athletic Greens. Athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott. Right now, we can get you guys a year supply of free vitamin D. And five free travel packs with your first order. I was just back in Minnesota for a handful of days. Took the five packs with me like I always do. But my old man actually has Athletic Greens. He takes it every single day. Because I even got him to take it. Now my dad was like the most unhealthy dude on the planet for most of my life. I mean drinking Bacardi Dark every day. Smoking cool cigarettes. Eating just processed shit. Now the dude eats fish damn near every day takes chia seeds, and he's got athletic greens. If my old man, who is basically Clint Eastwood from Gran Torino, if he can fucking turn it around, you guys can as well. So if you're somebody who struggles with eating enough fruits and veggies every day, and you know you're not going to do that, hit me up. Um, I'm happy to send you a pack of athletic greens for free to try. Again, I don't care what state, country you live in, we'll get it to you. You can try it and then be like, wow, this is the best tasting greens on the planet, because it is, and then get hooked up with all of the free stuff. Especially if you travel and you do anything social, it's just really hard to eat that many fruits and veggies. And most of us, that's not 
logistically possible or even feasible to do. And so you can get rid of your multivitamin. It can take place of your probiotic. There's zinc in there. There's biotin. And if you're trying to do the same thing on your own, you'd have to buy like 14 different pills. And the odds of you doing that consistently every day are minimal. And I don't know anybody who would actually do that consistently. And if you could do it with just a scoop, you rip a pack open or you take a scoop, throw it in about four, six ounces of cold water, slam it, and you're good to go. And all of us have swallowed way worse things than athletic greens. I'll leave it at that. So if you're interested, the site athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott, your supply of vitamin D, five free travel packs with order one or hit me up and I'll send you a free pack to try. Now, Today's podcast, we are talking about, what are we titling this? Maybe, you know, flat core, strong core, flat stomach, something like that. Shrink your waistline. We'll do some clickbaity things so people will get super excited. And it's probably going to be a lot of stuff you guys already know, but I'm going to say some things about abdominal exercises and core training that might go against the grain and might not be what you're used to. And we'll talk about the food aspect a little bit of it as well. But before I jump in, I'm going to just talk about my trip home really fast. Again, I had not, you know, seen some of my friends and family for two years. And if you guys follow me on Instagram, you saw probably some of the posts. I got to meet up with uh, my best friend. I mean, this dude's my day one here. You know, he's known me since I've been you know, pissing and shit in my pants. So we've been, we've been through it, um, you know, from when we we're young kids to now, you know, we're old men with gray hair or no hair. So that's where we're at now. And uh, it was nice. I got to see my old man. I hadn't seen my dad in, in two years. Uh, got to see his brother, one of my uncles as well, and uh, some other people super close to me, which was nice. And uh, two years is too long, dude. And the trips are always too short, but I'm always thankful for the time I do have together with those people. And I'm going to take this down a rabbit hole and it has nothing to do with you getting a tighter course. You can scrub forward if you don't want to hear me talk about this, but I do think it's important. I think we can all agree that uh, 2020 and uh, COVID and the pandemic just, I just suck shit, huh? Like that was just, can we all agree that was just not fun? Like, I don't give a shit who you are. Like, I probably had one of the better scenarios for it, even though my industry got, you know, just completely murdered and my wife's industry got completely murdered and we're still, you know, you're dealing with the aftermath effects of it, which is not fun. But from, I'm saying overall in the industry, personally, you know, I probably had one of the better setups of anyone. Had a podcast, our online business, you know, generates most of the revenue I own the building we're in. Uh, I own my house. I got a pool, an amazing dog, amazing wife, f- friends who are close, who are willing to hang out with us and see us. And uh, and I thought it sucked. And I thought it was not fun. And to go home and hear some of the stories, which I'm not going to go into detail because I don't want to make this a, you know, a crying fest here. To hear some of the stuff my friends and family are chewing on during this, and I had no fucking clue, it's very sobering, and um, it's sad at the same time, and uh, I wish I would have reached out more, you know, and that's, 
if I look at my life at all, I have to look at it that way of like, maybe the reason I ate shit in my life so early and had to deal with a lot of things that were not pleasant and comfortable and just were flat out shitty, maybe it was to prepare me for this. Maybe I went through all of that stuff to become this person so I can listen now and give back to other people because I feel almost, and again, I have problems too. And I have shit I deal with. And there's a lot of things in my life that if I could snap it, I I would change in a heartbeat, but I can't. And so when I look at it, though, overall, like I feel almost guilty, like how good I have it. I've created this world here that's pretty fucking awesome. And yeah, I've worked really hard for it and timing and sweat equity and, and, and tears and all the things that went into it. But I created it. But I feel almost guilty how good it is when I when I sit with other people who are super close to my life who are carrying so much. I don't know how they even operate every day. Like, in, you guys all have people in your life where you hear their story and you're like, fuck, how are you even breathing right now? How are you even being a functioning adult here talking to me? And I've said this before and I'll say it again. If we all threw our problems in a pile in the middle of the room and we saw what everybody else was dealing with, like if we were just openly naked, in terms of emotional problems and physical things going on, if you could just, if it flashed on a screen and you saw it like on a jumbotron of everybody and they listed it, you would sprint back in and grab your own problems back so fucking fast because you'd be like, wow, that person is carrying that in here today. And I was complaining about these three things, which more often than not were luxury problems. Even if they're problems, they're not life-changing They're not crippling. They're not debilitating. You're not staying up night crying. You're not an an emotional train wreck on the verge of just not being able to get out of bed. And so many people are walking through life with that every day. And if anything else, what I've noticed on this trip, the two things it taught me is one, if I have any natural gift as I've gotten older in life, it, it is empathy. Because I do really feel for people, especially the ones who are close to me in my life, and I, I feel for them so much where it like makes me, like it makes like your hand shake when you think about it. It makes you almost like sick to your stomach and you, it makes me emotional to hear them because it's like, why do they have to deal with that? And the other thing it taught me is to keep giving people grace. And I've always tried to do that because I've always known doing this for a living, getting to work with people here one-on-one in these close settings, you get to hear a lot of people's life stories. And a lot of people have a lot of things going on. And I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Now, some people are just assholes. So if you run into Bill at the grocery store and then you see Bill on the airplane and, and Bill in the lobby and Bill's a dick, he's just, that's just who he is. Like he just might, that just be the person he is. But some people are actually really good, kind-hearted people, but they're carrying so much it just manifests that way to you and you just might be on the wrong end of, you know, something that blew up and that happens a lot for people. So I, I try to really have empathy for others and I try to give people as much grace as I can. Cause I know, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a lot of people dealing with a lot of shit and that's what became apparent to me, you know, over this past weekend. And like I said, two years is too long, man. And, uh, it seems as, as we get older, time goes even faster. I know it's always went the same, but I feel like as I get older, like it just goes so much quicker. Like when I was 17, 
it wasn't going this fast. And now that I'm, you know, inching closer to 40, I'm like, shit, dude, it's going quick. And there's a lot of people that are going to dip in and out of your life. You're going to have a lot of relationships. You're going to meet a lot of different people. But the real day ones, right, like like the real lifetime friends and family you have, they're always there for you, you know, and they're always going to be by your side if you need them and you need to be the same for them. And if you have a few of those in your life, just never miss a chance to tell them how much they mean to you. Um, and even if you can't visit them, check up on them, call them, text them, because that shit goes a long way. And I say that because I'm guilty of that, especially during, you know, 2020. I probably was having weeks where I was like withdrawn and I wasn't giving as much as I should. I wasn't texting as much. <clears throat> I wasn't sending as many messages because I was in my own shit, right? I had my own shit to deal with. And and there, there were problems. I was trying to keep this community together. I was trying to keep the in-person business going. I'm trying to keep my people on the payroll. I'm trying to keep my wife, you know, from going fucking crazy. I'm dealing with friends that I am talking to, but there's so many others that I didn't, you know, I I just kind of let them to the wayside. And obviously, you know, I try to be a fountain, not a drain. And there's only so much you can give before your well is empty, but I could have gave more. And that's apparent now, especially seeing some of these people I hadn't seen in two years. I'm like, damn, I had no clue. Like, shit, I had no clue that's what you were dealing with. And I I wish I would have done more with them. And it's always awesome to go back. You know, there's, I don't want to make this like a super emotional, sad podcast. It's it's always nice to go back because um, some things change, but some things always do stay the same. And the one thing I probably struggle with the most is not, is this what I should be doing for my career? Because I think this is what I'm supposed to do. I think I'm supposed to coach people and help them through my words and my actions. And if I lead from the front, live my life a certain way. And if Heather and I live our lives a certain way, that can pull people out of some shit. I've seen it, I've heard it. And that's what I'm gonna try to do. If, if this is my gift to just be stuck in this body with this crazy ass brain, and I can do and say things that help put people in a better mood, then that's what I'm here to do. And uh, I know a lot of people struggle with work-life balance and a lot of people struggle with what are they doing with their life. I personally know I wouldn't be as happy if I was at a hedge fund or selling real estate or selling insurance. And not that those aren't noble careers. There's nothing wrong with them. Like if you're at the hedge fund and you're making people money, respect. That, that serves a purpose. If you're a real estate agent, you're finding people homes, respect. That's a good job. If you're selling insurance, everybody fucking needs it, especially when things go wrong. And if you're a good one and you can be there for people when they're distressed, that's great. That's just not what my gift is, and I'm not passionate about doing that. So I know this is what I should be doing with my life. How I diversify the time, that's another question. And that's probably my biggest struggle and what I've learned the most, especially on these trips, because this is the most, if I'm being completely you know, honest here, out on Front Street, this is the most emotional trip I've ever had. And maybe just because I'm getting old and soft, because I come from this like, you know, this era of dude and like my dad and like, you know, his dad before him, that kind of strong silent type when if something bad happens, you just fucking swallow it and you eat it. Um, that's who I grew up with as my dad and that in his dad and so on. And, uh, it's harder to do as I get older. Maybe I'm just getting soft or maybe that's I'm maturing uh, to a certain extent. I don't really know, but I noticed that this time around and maybe because 
as you get older, you realize time is going faster. And I start to do this self-questioning on the way, you know, the drive back and on the airplane. Is this the best use of my time? And what I mean is, I know you guys get value from the podcast. I know you guys get value from Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and the emails and all the shit we do and the people in our community here, you know, they love us and, and we're here for them. And I know that's my calling. But what I'm trying to say is, how much time do I spend doing that versus, you know, visiting my family? How much time do I spend here versus, you know, taking a trip with my best friend? How much time do I spend doing this, you know, versus seeing, you know, my uncle that I haven't seen in years? Like, how do you balance that? And if I get to the end of my life, if there's any going to be any regrets or anything, that's probably going to be it. And I don't have an answer for it. And I know nobody does either. I don't look at it as like work-life balance. I look at it as like spending your time balance, giving your energy balance. And where can you give it? Because, you know, I don't have $100 million. So I can't just pick up and do anything whenever I want. But for the most part, I can. But how do you do everything? And that's what I struggle with. Because my life's fucking awesome. I, I can't I can't really bitch when I know what the other 8 billion people in the world are dealing with and where they rank, I got it pretty fucking good. And that'll be an internal struggle for me, you know? And the reason I say it was the most emotional is because one, some of the stories that I heard this weekend, man, it's, it was a lot to chew on. And on top of that, you realize you are older and you're only going to get to do this so many more times in your life. Like historically, I've seen my dad like once a year, for the past 13 years, um, short of funerals and, uh, the year that I got married and the one time he came out here to visit, it would be two times a year. But so, you know, you start to add up the numbers. You're like, this is not a lot, dude. So you do get emotional about it. Cause like, is this the last time I'm going to see this dude? And, you know, obviously you guys have listened to the podcast for a decent amount of time. Uh, my grandma passed away during the pandemic and, uh, you know, it, it's just a weird time when, when COVID is like, you know, fucking raging and, uh, no funeral, no service. I uh, didn't get to go home that year. And she died shortly after the normal time I would have went home. So the year before when Heather and I visited, that's the last time I saw her. And you don't know that, right? Like you don't, you, and we never do. And that's going to be the case for all of us. So you have to appreciate the moments for what they are. And that maybe that's why it, it, it mattered more this trip than, than before. And to end on a, on a, a lighter note, um, my grandma, she was like, you know, lived to almost 90, didn't go to the doctor for the last 30 years of her life, you know, shredded, uh, her whole life, ate cookies, drank wine, went for walks, went to church twice a day. Maybe that's the secret. Um, but my grandpa, I never met. He died when my dad was like 12. So my dad really didn't have uh, a dad for the most part. My grandma raised the, the five kids on her own, which how the fuck people do that. I have no clue, but, uh, she met a dude. Uh, later on in life, and his name is uh, his name's Dave, but we call, I I call him Chef Boyardee because he looks like Chef Boyardee, um, and that's what me and my dad call him, and my sister, and basically my mom. Everybody does, just not to his face. The sweetest, nicest dude ever, but he's still alive. So I got to stop by and uh, and see him. Um, as my grandma's boyfriend, basically for the last fifty years of her life. Like she never got remarried, but she, this is the only dude I knew. So I think he was there for like fifty years, um, which is kind of crazy too. But uh, Anyways, I got to stop and see him, and uh, 
he just I felt for him, and the, who knows? He's way older, you know, so maybe that's the last time I see him. Hopefully he's around for, for many, many years. And I was totally fine seeing him until he's like, tell Heather I say hi, and I'm like getting emotional in the car, and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? But the point I'm driving at with all this is just you can't take these things for granted. Um, the little things are the big things, and we are getting older. And when you start to think of it in that context is that, you know, None of us is getting out of here alive. You have to just to really appreciate the time with your friends and family when you have them. Reach out to them. Check on them. And, uh, you know, balance it the best you can. I know it's something that I'm going to probably struggle with my whole life. And uh, I'm trying to navigate it just like all of you guys. And uh, obviously I'm 20 minutes in here. And I haven't talked shit about core training. I apologize. But hopefully you guys got some uh, some value for that. On a funnier note... Um, I, I did meet my best friend out for dinner and, uh, we went to this place called Maynard's. If you guys have ever go to Minnesota, it's a cool spot in the summertime. I never been in the winter. I don't go in the winter anymore. Those days are over, but, uh, it's in this little place called Excelsior, which is close to like Minnetonka kind of YZ area. It's on the lake actually. Super cool. I made reservations like a month ahead of time inside because outside is kind of seat yourself. And I'm like, I told my, my best friend, I'm like, Oh, let's get there early. You know, see if we can grab a spot outside. I pull up in the parking lot, not a single parking spot, already not a good sign. And I had to park like seven minutes down the street, not a big deal, I'm fit, I'll walk. And we we show up, she's like, oh, you can check outside if there's a spot. I walk back there, dude, it's like Coachella. I mean, it is like the Midwest on steroids, dude. It is everything you've ever thought about the Midwest, all wrapped up in one spot. Now, I'm from the Midwest, born and raised, so these are my people. And I can talk some shit about them because sometimes my friends in life stereotypes, they're there for a reason. Uh, if I get all pumped up, like super vascular jacked and wear a stringer tee and walk into the grocery store and people are like, oh, what a meathead. Well, I'm kind of fitting the narrative. Are I not with that? And in the Midwest, there's a certain things, you know, they get kind of known for the Minnesota nice thing. That's a thing. People are overly nice. And, and the phrase is, oh, yeah, you betcha. Like, those are real. Like, I mean, I, I can't say that enough. When, you, when, you, when you're out of it for a while and you go back to it and you're like, shit, these, we really talk like that. This is crazy. Uh, so we're at this restaurant. And uh, my favorite beer of all time is Michelob uh, Golden Draft Light. You cannot get it uh, on the East Coast. You can't get it down South. You can't get it in the Pacific Northwest. You can't get it on the West Coast. Nowhere. But the Midwest. It used to only be Minnesota. Now I think it's Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, Iowa, maybe. And I don't know if you get into the Dakotas or not. But it's my favorite beer. And I'm a homer when I'm saying that just because I grew up on it. I've probably been drinking it since I was 15 years old. And uh, the the waitress comes over and, and I'm like, oh, I'll get a you know McGolden Draft Light. She's like 16 or 25 ounce. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Not a not a bottle. Uh, not a can, not a 12 ounce, it's 16 or 25. That's your two options. They can drink like champions there. I will say that. There's a lot of, uh, they booze hard in the Midwest. I'm not saying we you don't here in Arizona, but it's different in Scottsdale. When you go to, like, if I go to Rita's Kitchen, they're like, oh, you want a Stella? And they bring the bottle and pour it in a glass. In the Midwest, the bare minimum, 16 or 25 ounce. They're not fucking around. And with everything you order at these places, would you like ranch with that? Because ranch, my friends, in the Midwest is like gold. 
or it is like water. It is just, it goes with everything. And so I'm like, well, of course, you bring the real ranch out. I'm going to have a little bit here. So just there's, there's certain things that when you go back, you know, certain things will change because you get older and then certain things don't change. And there's, uh, there's some beauty in that for sure. It's, uh, it's always nice to visit and it's always, it's always humbling and it's always fun. And as I get older, I realize like, you know, I am getting older and I have to appreciate these moments for what they are. And so the takeaway from all of that is just, if you have friends and family in your life, spend the time with them when you can and, uh, and really make the most of it. And even if you can't physically be there, reach out and check in with them and have some digital moments with them. Because you never know what, what people are carrying and what they're chewing on. And sometimes you just checking in can make all the difference in the world. And I, and I truly I truly mean that. So now that I've rambled on for 25 minutes and we haven't talked shit about uh, strengthening your core or having a flat stomach, let's get into it, everybody. So a lot of you, you know, this is the thing that we, we stare at the most. This is the thing that uh, it's the end all be all for a lot of people in fitness. And I don't believe it should be. Now, obviously, I do think you should have a, a functionally strong midsection. That makes the most sense. But whether you have abs or not, I do not think is a gauge of, are you fit? Um, there's a lot of things that go into that. Obviously, you probably eat right. Um, maybe you're an ectomorph by nature. Uh, you know, naturally kind of a thin person. Uh, maybe you or an athlete as a kid, whatever it is, there's a lot of things that can go into you having abs. The one being you probably have worked them directly and indirectly for a long period of time, and you probably don't eat like shit. It's pretty safe to say those are two things that are are probably apparent. But for a lot of people, if they don't have abs, people are like, wow, that person's not fit. And that's bullshit. I got a lot of friends who are super fit, and they don't have abs. They're, 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 they have abs, right? Like we all do. Understand this, we all have abs. And how the ligaments split, that's going to be, you know, different. Like how they line up, if it's four, if it's six, if they're symmetrical, if they're offset, if there's a split down the middle, if there's a split in the side, obliques, intercostals, everything. Your your trunk is like a corset. If you could strip away the skin, that's what you would see. The fat covering them is the only difference. Some people have a lot of fat, some people have a little fat. Some people have a couple abs showing, some people have them all. Some people's skin is paper thin. It just is what it is. But I have friends who are ridiculously fit, super athletic, and they don't have abs. It just is what it is. Genetically, maybe the fat goes there. For most of us, that's where fat comes off last. You might have a friend who has a flatter stomach, but the rest of her body is kind of soft and and doughy. That's just her genetics. It just depends on the person. But for most of us, generally speaking, that's where the fat comes off last. So if your arms are lean, your legs are lean, you don't have a lot of back fat, That's the last thing to go. And that's when you start to get down to the nitty gritty. Uh, But just know, if you don't have abs today, you still can be super fit. You still can be super athletic. You still can be super healthy. It is not the end-all, be-all. And if you work with a fitness professional and that person doesn't have abs, it doesn't mean they're not smart. It doesn't mean they can't help you. It doesn't mean they don't care about you. It doesn't mean they can't be a great coach. It just means their body fat's probably a little bit higher, and that's genetically just where they hold the fat. So I have to put that out there right up front. And on the same note, just because somebody has abs doesn't mean they know shit about food or fitness. Sometimes you just win the genetic lottery and that's it. Or 
they just under eat or they're at a calorie deficit and they like to exercise and that's just the outcome. But it does not mean if someone has abs, they know what the hell they're talking about and they certainly can help you. That is not the case. So just keep that in mind. There's great coaches, great fitness people and people who are super athletic who don't have abs. And there are also people who have abs and who are shredded, who are dumb as shit and, you know, couldn't help you squat if their life depended on it. So just, I need to make that crystal clear. But many of you are listening to this. You've struggled for years trying to get a, a flat, you know, ripped, chiseled stomach, you know, because it's, it's what we've deemed like sexy, right? It's what we think is attractive. It's cool. Our eyes are drawn there. You know, if, if the chest and the abs are kind of like the centerpiece of your dinner, that's what people are kind of focusing on. And most people have probably done every single imaginable, you know, crunch or kind of sit up ab variation exercise in the world. And it hasn't made a whole hell of a lot of difference in their midsection. Now, depending when you started training, I think that matters too. I don't want to get down a rabbit hole and get lost on this, but if you started doing a lot of athletic stuff younger on, you probably have a little bit more developed midsection. So if you were doing, you know, pull-ups and sports and like legit chins and chops and planks and all these things and squatting and overhead pressing and carries, you've probably built like a thicker foundation than somebody who just stumbled onto fitness who's 50 years old. Because like we've talked about many times before, age range training is real. But for a lot of you guys, probably from age 20 on, you've done a ton of ab exercises. You know, maybe you throw them in in a circuit. Maybe you wait till the end of your training. Most people don't start things off the front of their training with them, which I'll talk about in a second. But you've done all the variations. And most of the time, all people end up with is like a sore lower back because they're doing shit not correctly. At least what I would typically see in the commercial gyms when uh, when I would venture into those more often than not. And uh, I would argue for a lot of people, abdominals are, are probably one of the most widely worked muscle groups like at a commercial gym. They actually have like specific machines where people sit on them. And I'm not saying they don't work. Some of them can be great. We can talk about that too. But people will do abs a ton. They'll do a ton of direct core work. In fact, some people will lay on the ground for like 50 minutes doing ab shit, which I am not a fan of. So hear me out as I say this. For everybody who's looking to get, you know, a ripped, you know, flat, chiseled stomach where your abs are like, you know, blocks ice cubes or they just look, you know, aesthetically pleasing, whatever that means to you, you don't have to do a ton of crunches for that. You don't have to do a ton of sit-ups for that. You don't have to do a ton of direct ab work in the way that you're thinking about it just for that. I'm not saying crunches and sit-ups are worthless. They have their place when they're paired with other things correctly. And I'm going to kind of explain here what I mean. And, and most of you should know this, but I, I fear a lot of people do not. Your core is you know, a huge part of how you move. Obviously, if your legs are the base, you know, the the core is kind of like the powerhouse, right? And most people, you know, just think of the core as the front six. So rectus, right? So the front six abs, that's what they think about it. But it's not just that. Like I mentioned before, your rectus abdominis, your obliques, your intercostals, uh, the erectors, everything. Again, imagine like a corset wrapping around your body of muscles. 
That's what we're talking about. So core, um, lower back, abdominals, everything kind of wrapped into one. Um, those muscles, they aid in when you guys are going through flexion, uh, extension, rotation, um, and any compression, obviously, of the trunk. When I say trunk, I mean your, your whole core. Now, we talk about that here. We say trunk training. Like a tree trunk, think of your abs like a tree trunk, if that makes sense. So they're important in maintaining stability and movement throughout your daily life, if you understand kind of how they work. So if the core, your abs, your trunk, if the purpose is to keep you stable over the base of support, which is your feet, they're always working when you're on your feet. And if you're sitting on your ass and your butt becomes your feet, then they're important for keeping you upright there as well. Hopefully you guys are following me. When you sit, your ass becomes your feet. And so if the purpose of the trunk is to keep you stable over the base of support, which is your feet, when you sit down, your butt becomes your feet. Hopefully I'm not confusing anybody so far. So when you're carrying things like even groceries, um, your dog, a small baby, um, to performing things like heavy overhead presses. Everything you do utilizes your core to maintain that core stability or the stability of the movement you guys are going through. But there are a ton of other, you know, I guess commonly overlooked muscles that also need to be developed during core training. And that's why if you come here and go through, we we do a group here. And again, I'm, I'm not against selling things to get people excited about fitness. So if you're going to sell an abs program, I'm fine with it as long as it makes sense and it fits the goal of what people are chasing. But when you come here and go through, like we do have a core, like a core conditioning group. And I pair it with that because we do conditioning and we do trunk exercises, but not just laying on the floor. In fact, we do very little of that. There might be one or two patterns where we do, and, and I'm cool with those, but it's not like we don't sit here for 45 minutes and just like do crunches because I think that'd be bullshit. And so for you guys who are listening to me, have you ever done like a bunch of just trunk movements at the gym and you left with like your low back being sore? The pain is more than likely not due to straining the low back since you're laying there and you're not doing any, you know, really heavy loading. It's probably because your muscles in your like lumbo pelvic hip complex, they're weak. And that's causing you to kind of feel this pain and discomfort in your low back. Now that lumbo pelvic hip complex contains a series of muscles that insert into your kind of pelvic hip region there. And these muscles can kind of help support your spine and maintain your balance. In fact, these muscles are always used during all the movements you guys are going through. They provide a strong base of support in all the functional movements you would do in the gym when you move through life. These muscles, as well as like your transverse abdominals, your internal, your external obliques, and the rectus abdominis, which we talked about, create the true powerhouse for your body. That's why I say it's not just what you see. And, <clears throat> excuse me, dudes are guilty of this more than women, but women do it too. I don't want to bag on dudes, but women just tend to be smarter sometimes with the training, even if they don't try to. And what I mean is we sometimes are only training the things we can see with the eyes. And that is doing your body a huge disservice. So if you look in the mirror and you strip it off, like, okay, I can see my pecs, I can see a little shoulder, I can see a bicep, and I can kind of maybe see your your abs. There's so much more than that. Like you can maybe see your quads and maybe like the front of your calves, but you're not looking at your whole posture, your chain. And we tend to train the things we can see more than the things we can't see. 
dudes are super guilty of this. A lot of dudes can like get a, a relatively like okay chest and maybe have some abs and have like kind of decent arms, but their back is shit. You know, their rear delts are garbage. Their glutes are like a pancake ass. They have no hamstrings. Like that's what I mean. Like you have to really start thinking in terms of everything, not just the things you can see. And I know you do, but think about your training and how you set it up. Am I spending the time on the areas I don't really look at and see? Or am I spending most of the time on the things that I just visually see? And there's nothing wrong with spending time on building a better chest. But there's so much more to that to build this proportional, functional, badass body. Especially if you're talking about a strong core, which is the powerhouse you know, built on the base that you're trying to move through life in. So... If you're talking training your core, most people, like I mentioned, will save the trunk exercises to the last part of their workout. And they usually do everything. They kill themselves. And then they go to like a crunch machine or kind of like some kind of half-ass sit-up machine. And they end up doing crunches over and over and over again, expecting some amazing results. They want this flat-ripped midsection by just doing that. And you'd be surprised that that is not correct, my friends. That is not the way that I would do about it. For a lot of you, you'd be better off spending that time, if you're going to do direct ab work, during the warm-up or like the beginning part of what you're doing. Like doing your trunk exercises first, I think would probably improve your postural control during your standing exercise movements. Does that make sense what I'm saying? I think if you guys were to to kind of warm up doing that, like give them the love up front, you're going to be better off, especially when you're doing stuff standing. Um, But you have to do the correct exercises, which we'll talk about in a second. But what I'm saying is when you're standing, the trunk is on. And so the movement prep would be doing, you can do the mobility first and then throw in some of the trunk things and then do most things standing if possible. I'm not saying you can never sit down, but I try to do most things on the feet. When I overhead press, I never sit down anymore unless we're doing Z presses uh, with a barbell from the floor or dumbbells from the floor, which I do like those. I don't mind sitting down. You can do all the variations. You can do Arnold sitting down, neutral grip, whatever. But more often than not, if you can stay standing, the trunk is going to be firing the whole time, and that's what I do love. I understand when you sit down, the butt becomes the feet, and there's something with that, or from a kneeling position, there's a variation there. But I do like a lot of standing stuff, especially if you guys are picking up heavy loads. So that's a side note. But I do like throwing in some of the ab stuff at the beginning of the workout as opposed to the end. And a lot of people do this. They want to change things in their body, and they want to you know, make a massive change in a certain area, but they wait till the very end of the workout to do anything when they're already exhausted and they're already fatigued. If you really want to change something, Give it some love up front before you're gassed. I promise you, even if you think you're doing everything you need to do at the very end, you're not. Maybe you're in a time constraint. Maybe you're tired. You're fatigued already. But if literally you guys can do the trunk work like up front, I promise you it's going to be more quality. It's going to be more concise and you'll be better off. And I think it's going to prime the body to be turned on to do everything else. And so if we're talking core stability here. Um, I don't think crunches are probably the best way to strengthen your core in the way that you think of it. Um, Again, they have their place in your workout, but not the most used exercise, right? Like 
it may surprise you guys to find out that you have to do a lot of crunches to strengthen your abs. The best way to target your abs is performing like legit core training. And that involves movements that are functional in nature that are going to strengthen the abdominals, the lower back, and all the related muscle groups. Core exercises are going to involve things where you're standing up, using cables, bands, medicine balls, stability balls. I do like the ab wheel as well. Um, And sometimes they're going to be incorporated on using maybe an unstable surface, forcing your body to maintain balance, having proper instruction of core exercises is going to give you guys some guidance to actually how to put a program together, which I'm going to touch on in a split second. And so what does all that shit mean? I just rambled on through core exercises that involve you standing up overhead pressing. I'm a huge fan of dumbbells, barbells, single arm is great. Farmers carries. I'm also a huge fan of offset carries, heavy dumbbell in one hand, no dumbbell in the other, heavy dumbbell in one hand, light dumbbell in the other. One dumbbell loaded like a farmer's carry, one dumbbell loaded overhead, two dumbbells loaded overhead, medicine ball loaded overhead. All those things are ideal because you're walking. I also like if it's from a kneeling position, like a half kneeling overhead press, double kneeling overhead press. Those things are all amazing as well. So we're getting out of the range of just thinking, oh, I'm going to lay on my back and do like 20 sit-ups. Again, that's fine, but they have to be married with these exercises as well. It can't just be you laying flat on the ground. I'm also a fan, again, like I mentioned, I do like the ab wheel. I think it's great. We have core wheels here. We have an ab wheel here. That's going to stretch rectus for sure, but the obliques and intercostals, the erectors always have to be turned on as well. If that wheel rolls and you guys feel a pinch in the lumbar, you went too far, your abs basically turned off and your hips dipped. So a little side note, if you're going to do like plank and pillar variations, if the butt is like an inch too high, that's way better than it being an inch too low, in my opinion. I think that's the better way to go about it. If you want to really check your posture, if you're doing like a plank variation, which I'm cool with those, you can do a PVC pipe from your head. It should touch your head, your shoulder blades, and probably your ass, depending on how your build is. And it can just sit there. Or if somebody put a a glass of water on your back when you're in a plank or kind of push-up position hold, that works as well. That's a great place to start. So if we talk about just basic stuff, obviously, I do, let's, let's go crazy here. Overhead presses, all the variations I mentioned, all the carry variations I mentioned. Uh, I do like swings, kettlebell swings I do like. Um, I like skier swings, especially when you start to get them to go a little bit higher, maybe like even overhead. All those things are ideal. Now, this is all core training, right? This is all functional stuff. We're building not, we're not just worried about the things we can see, we're building all the things around it. Hopefully you're with me so far. And if you're talking about just like a plank hold, uh, do I like them? Uh, personally, I like them for what we're talking about. Do I like doing them? No, they suck. I don't like static holds. They're miserable. Who likes to sit and hold a split squat? It burns. It hurts. It sucks. Um, and mentally you have to kind of live in the pain, but I do think they're cool, um, for what we're trying to use them for here. So a plank exercise, most of you guys know what I'm talking about. Looks like a push up. You're just resting on your forearms. You want your elbows obviously in line with your shoulders. You can track your abs and your low back pushing your hips obviously a little bit into the air, your entire body should be in one straight line head to heel, you hold the position, you know, I'm going to go on the lower side here, 10 to 30 seconds. And if you want to make the exercise, you know, harder, you can lift, you know, one of your legs in the exercises, but only lift your legs to like probably hip height. You know, we're talking about offset variations. That's why I'm talking about, you know, when you're doing stuff, 
that has like an unstable surface. Here we are. Um, a little tip when you guys are obviously holding a plank, think about sucking your belly button towards your spine and holding it there. Um, it's going to make, you know, a simple plank significantly more effective. And uh, I'm happy to walk you guys through it. If you want a video, we can do videos on this too. And I say 10 to 30 seconds because these people are like, oh, I held the plank for five minutes. Maybe you did. Um, but most people do it. It turns into dog shit. Um, I like the shorter stuff where you can actually squeeze your abs and you can squeeze your butt for the short variations. One of the hardest ones we do here is uh, like a 12 uh, kind of, we call them pillars. So like plank pillars, same thing. Uh, like a pillar sequence where it's 10 seconds on, three seconds off. And that sounds super easy. But if you do it right and you're squeezing and contracting, it can be a game changer. And there's rotation with this, right? So we're moving through space. So you hold a front plank for 10 seconds. Three seconds, you move to the right side. You hold that right plank for three for 10 seconds. Then in three seconds, you transfer to the left side. Hold the left side for 10 seconds. Then back to the front, side, side, front, side, side, front, side, side, until you go through all 12. And like I said, you can lift a leg up way worse. If in your side plank, you can lift that top leg up. If you have the stability, that makes it way worse. All those things are gnarly and they can be thrown in in 10 seconds on, three seconds off. All, most people can at least attempt to do that and do it in a safe way where the form is perfect. And as you get more advanced, you can throw more advanced variations in. And like I mentioned, the side planks and like the bridge pillar variations are great. You start with your body resting on your forearm and the side of your foot. Lift your body off the ground, balancing on that foot and forearm, contracting your abs, relaxing your shoulders. If you're unable to get your hips off the ground, then obviously, you know, your core probably needs a whole hell of a lot more work, but you could always do it from the knees. And there, that there's great variations we can show of that too. I'll do a, uh, an Instagram series on this too for you guys. If you message me and say, hey, I want to see it because I'm happy to help you. I do like um, the chop variations uh, with cables and med balls. The cable or the medicine ball is extended, obviously, over one of your shoulders, kind of like a wood chop. If you imagine that, if you've ever chopped wood before, start by pulling the cable or the medicine ball down across the body, keeping the arms extended. The further the extension can be, the tougher it is. And then finish with your arms extended on the opposite side, obviously, over the hip. Easy enough to do. Uh, I do like medicine ball throws. Slams are great, overhead slams. Uh, rotational tosses into the wall, I do think, are awesome, too. Those are all cool if you have access to a sledgehammer, like sledgehammer swings. Those are all great things to throw in with the ab wheel, with the carries, with the kettlebell swings. If you can do pull-ups, chin-ups, those are great depending on the body holding position. Even if it's just a normal you know, pull-up or chin-up, even assisted, those are great for your trunk. I love all of those things. If you want to get into the specifics, uh, like a decline sit-up, I think can be an amazing variation. You can do things like shin huggers. And again, there's a place for, you know, all the other stuff too. I like bicycle crunches to sprinkle in. I like uh, short reach crunches to sprinkle in. I like mountain climbers, uh, atomic knees. Those things are all great too, but they have to be rooted in the things that are really going to give the trunk love, which is usually you guys standing on your feet or holding your body in a position where everything is in a stiff line head to heel where you can actually move it. And then obviously all the rotational stuff is awesome too. Like things we don't think about, halos. Standing is great. From the knees is great. Heavy dumbbell, heavy kettlebell, heavy medicine ball. And a full rotation all the way around is going to do you wonders. It's the things that we don't think about. And if you wait to do that the last three minutes of your workout, you're probably going to bullshit it. So you got to give it some love up front. Because understand your core is a powerhouse. 
for all exercises in all movements that you do, not just the ones that seem like they're core specific. Most of the time when people come in here, they don't even really realize they're doing trunk stuff. They don't even realize it. They just, oh, I'm doing this. I feel it in my shoulders. Yeah, you feel it in your shoulders, but your abs are working the whole time too. Why do we have you guys doing so much stuff standing on your feet? One, because that's how your your core really works. And two, most of your day, you sit in your ass. You don't do shit. So why would I have you come in here and lay down and sit in your butt most of the workout? That seems irresponsible of me. And my take on fitness in general, most people just need to get up and move. You just have to move more. I really believe more movement is a cure for a lot of things. <clears throat> I'm not a doctor. I'm just a gorilla in a warehouse. So what the hell do I know? But I do think if we moved more, we'd be a lot better off. If we didn't have to sit in a desk at a job for nine to 10 hours a day dealing with bullshit, and we could get up and just hike and walk and bike and swim and play at least a couple hours a day, our health care issues, a lot of that stuff would alleviate itself. I do think, you know, functional, healthy movement and mobility can fix a lot of, you know, minor bullshit people deal with that becomes major bullshit. You know, low back issues, lack of mobility, you know, shitty knees, hips, ankles, shoulders, elbows, wrists, uh, tight thoracic spine, uh, dowager's hump, rounded shoulders, all these things. Man, we can fix a lot of that just through moving more and understanding movement. And that does start with training your core and understanding that it is like this, you know, badass wheelhouse for everything you're going to do. And again, before I let you guys go, the core includes your abdominals, rectus, the front six, your obliques, your intercostals, transverse, low back, the muscles that are located in your lumbo-pelvic hip complex, which are going to help you guys stabilize your spine during these dynamic movements. So again, I'm not saying crunches are worthless, but they're not the most effective exercise when you're going to try to develop core endurance and core strength. So I think when you can incorporate, you know, legit core exercises, that's going to help you guys develop your core. And it'll at least lead you in the direction of having a better, more defined midsection when you can put all the pieces together. So if you're looking to get a six pack and you're looking to have a better trunk and a flatter stomach, you have to do the right exercises um, prescribed, having a coach or a community or a program goes a long way. Um, if not, I share a lot of free shit. But uh, doing those as part of your mobility or in your warm-up or at the beginning of your workout is going to help, I think, allow you to have better postural control overall when you train. That's just my take on it. And I know a lot of people do this like with like the ancillary you know, groups. <clears throat> excuse me, they'll do, they'll wait, they want, they want better forearms. So they'll, they'll do forearms at the end of the workout. They'll do like little wrist rolls and those are fine. And they'll do, you know, the little, the hand wheels and those things. I'm a fan of them, but if you didn't do pull-ups, deadlifts, farmer's carries, why are we wasting time doing wrist rolls? <clears throat> In all seriousness, like why you have to think of bang for your buck, right? Like what is going to put the most, you know, stress on the tissue to make a change. And odds are it's not just doing crunches. Yeah, it's going to burn like superficial for a little bit. But it's not going to hit as deep as if you're doing like 
legit heavy swings or, you know, overhead carry variations. And, and if you're, if you ever get a chance, if you take your shirt off and you, you have any definition whatsoever, like even a little bit, and you start to do overhead presses or pick up dumbbells. And, and one of the benefits of doing this life is, uh, when I train on camera for you guys or for like any of our projects or for, you know, the men's health and the Reeboks and the vitamin shops and the muscle and fitness and all the shit I've done over my career, you're shirtless a lot and you get to see the musculature move and it does give you a better connection mentally about what's going on. When you're training and you're breathing and you see what's engaged and how it's moving, you're like, oh, okay. Now I really get it. You just get a better understanding for fitness. I'm not saying go train shirtless in your gym, but there is something to be said about that. Or when you're doing, like next time you grab a dumbbell in in like your right hand, just one, and you're pressing something overhead that's kind of heavy, press it overhead and put your hand on your obliques on the left side and feel how tight it is. Or when you're doing farmer's carries, put a dumbbell in one hand only and take your off hand and put it on your hip. Touch your obliques, touch your abs on that side, and see how tight it is, especially if you're holding your posture upright. Like, don't let your body lean to one side. Sit upright and walk with it and see how that trunk is turned on. You're like, oh, shit. This is like doing a heavy-ass standing plank as I'm walking. It's little things like that that I do think go a long way. And I'm not going to talk in detail about this, but at the end of the day, if you want a stronger core, and to shrink your waistline and have a flatter stomach, you can do all these things I mentioned. They will help a ton. But you got to eat right. If you do not have abs that are visible, more than likely it's because you have fat covering them and you just can't see them. They're there, but there's too much fat over them. And for a lot of people, I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze um, to chase abs. But if you've already set sail on that journey, and you want to do it, and you're willing to put in the time, effort, energy, and dedicate, you got to stop eating like shit. You're probably going to have to track your macros. You're probably going to have to eat real food. And you're going to be at a calorie deficit. That just has to happen. And you have to do that consistently over time to get leaner and leaner and leaner until all that fat is stripped off. And then you can see all the hard work you put in. Because you can do all the shit that I just mentioned, you could train abs directly and indirectly every single day, 24, 7, 365. But if your body fat is too high, you are never going to see them. So if that is the goal, you have to eat mostly real food. You have to be in a calorie deficit. And again, I guess you could eat processed food and be in a calorie deficit, but that's just unhealthy and it's fucking stupid. So don't do that. Eat mostly real food. Be in a calorie deficit. Track the macros consistently and give it time. You have to do that. It just is. There's no other way around it. You can't be in a calorie surplus and have no visible abs and think you're just going to train them like crazy and they're just going to visibly pop through the fat. It's just not going to happen. It's like, imagine your body was wrapped in like Christmas paper. Like take your take your, your trunk and wrap it in Christmas paper 300 times. And you just got to strip off that Christmas paper little by little by little. That's your fat. There's just layers of it that's built up. And, you know, every day if you're at a deficit, you strip off another piece and you strip off two pieces and you strip off four pieces. And eventually you get down to like no pieces left and boom, holy shit. There are my abs hiding there the whole time because they're, they're there for all of us. You just can't see them yet. So you can make them stronger 
you can do all the right things. And if you mix these movements in with proper eating and give it time, you're going to get there. And just know if you're already relatively fit and that's the last thing to see, you're pretty fucking close, dude. So congrats and pound. If you're watching me on YouTube, there's my pound. Respect to you guys for that. But just know this is where it gets hard. This is where most people kind of punt it because you have to give up a lot and you have to be real diligent but with what you eat and how you train. You got to sleep a little bit better. You got to start doing the right things because the fitter you get, you know, the rich get richer, the fitter do get fitter, but every incremental level when your body fat, if you're a dude gets down to like 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, set, that's where it gets real spicy, dude. So 15 to 14 to 13 to 12 to 10, you start to look like a different person with your shirt off, which is awesome, but it's hard every step of the way. If you're a female and you're at like, you know, 24, 23, 22, 21, 20, and you're getting into the teens, now you're really kind of pushing the envelope and you really got to be diligent with what you eat and be mindful of it and your training as well. So hopefully that made sense when you guys approach your core training and and approach the way that you give your abs love. And again, we have a million podcasts on food. So if you want to listen to those, I think we even have them like eating for a six pack. I'm sure I've done that. I've talked about that 8,000 times. So I'm sure there's a podcast with that name, but you put those two together and sky's the limit for you guys. But just it's sometimes not the things that you think of. And if there's a takeaway from this, it's just train the things that you don't see and you can't see as often because they do matter. And when you start to understand how your abs work in your body, it can be a game changer for a lot of people. So hopefully you guys obviously enjoyed that and uh, and got something out of it. Sorry if I rambled on for the first, you know, 20-ish minutes or so, but uh, I, I try to share as uh, as much of my life with you guys and, and be as, as, as humanized as I can and not just be a fitness fucking robot. And uh, hopefully you got something out of that uh, because I know I did. I know a lot of people probably struggle with the same things. And, uh, you know, this podcast is whatever the hell I want it to be. So there you go. Um, the last thing I'm going to leave you with is a quote that I found this a long time ago. And uh, of all people, this came from uh, Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right, all right. And my wife loves him, by the way. She for surely would want to, like, have a beer with him and, and hang out with him. So, Matthew, if somebody sends this to you and you're ever in the Scottsdale area, hit me up, brother. Happy to have you here. But... uh he put this out, I think it was like on his Twitter maybe, or somebody threw it out there. And I know from the last weekend I had, I got some friends who are, <clears throat> you know, they're dealing with some shit right now. And uh, I give advice on this podcast, but I only can talk about things I know about and things that I've been through. And some of my friends are going through some things that I don't have a lot of advice on. And I don't know how to deal with for them. And in fact, I don't know how I'd even breathe if I had to eat what they're eating every day. And uh, what I'll say is this. If you guys are listening to this right now and you're going through some shit, you know, there's there's some phrases that uh, have been passed on to me from, from people. And uh, whether you're religious or not is irrelevant. But, uh, you know, I think the phrase is like if they're talking about God or, you know, Jesus or a unicorn or, you know, you know, the universe, whatever you believe in, right? It's, uh, you know, the phrase is, you know, he wouldn't bring you to it if he wouldn't bring you through it. And, and I do believe there's something to be said about that. Um, he wouldn't bring you to it 
if he wouldn't bring you through it. And the way that my gorilla brain hears that is, if you're going through hell, you know, just keep fucking going, dude. Because what's your choice? Just to sit there and suffer? You know, you didn't come that far to get that far. And the McConaughey quote that I stumbled upon, and hopefully it's his, I mean, his picture's on it, so I'm assuming it's his. It says, and I quote, the devil wouldn't be attacking you so hard if there wasn't something valuable in you. Thieves don't break into empty houses. I'm going to repeat that again for everybody just so it makes sense. And I quote, the devil wouldn't be attacking you so hard if there wasn't something valuable inside you. Thieves don't break into empty houses. And how I interpret that is like if people are kind of coming at you and there's some shit coming your way and life has thrown you, you know, a big, you know, fuck you. Just know that it's doing it and it's testing you, right? Because there is something valuable inside you because a thief wouldn't break into an empty house. They only try to steal valuable things. And because there's valuable things inside you, you know, the world, the universe or people or haters or whatever it is, sometimes try, they try to extract that. And uh, you just got to keep fighting the good fight, man. I know a lot of you guys are, are chewing on some real stuff, like we all do at times. But just know, thieves don't break into empty houses, man. And so there's something valuable in you, and people are trying to get it and take it for a reason. And no, just you got to keep on pushing through it, man. You got no other choice. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. I know not the typical way I go about things, but I'm a real person. And I trust your real shit with you guys whenever I can. If you are listening right now on Apple Podcasts, I would be humbled if you would stop being a lazy ass. If you listen to me ramble on for 100 podcasts, scroll down on the app, drop me a five-star, leave a couple comments. I truly would appreciate it. It means the world to me. It helps us out. We make money. It motivates us. We help you guys even more. It's a win-win all across the board. And I like to read your guys' comments. Sometimes they're they're thoughtful. Uh, they're heartwarming. Sometimes they're funny. And we get a chuckle out of them as well, depending on what you guys write and say. So just know we appreciate you uh, for listening and sharing the podcast, uh, even though it's a one-way conversation. Uh, sometimes it's even therapeutic for me. And hopefully you get way more out of it than I do by giving it. So I thank you guys again. BeamTLC.com, the code Jeremy Scott for all the products. Or if you want the dream samples, hit me up. Athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott for the year supply free vitamin D and five free travel packs. Or hit me up for the free samples. I'm happy to help you guys. Otherwise... I'm just rocking the rest of July. Uh, we got another trip coming up too. And August, we have our 47-day transformation kicking off. That's our next online program. And that one's going to be, it's going to be dope, uh, like it is every time. We, we've only ran it twice this year. Historically, we've done it three times, but it does a lot of work on my end. And it is the most intense program in terms of me giving time, effort, and energy, but it means a lot. And it's the, the one thing outside of the community and the people here that I'm the most proud of digitally that we've created because I know it really hits and it cuts different and does help people. So that's coming up in August and we'll have a, a bunch of more fun shit on the way. So if you guys need anything, hit me up, request for the podcast, just ask. And Heather is actually in Lake Tahoe right now. I think she's coming back tomorrow. I'm her husband. I should probably know that, but I don't. And uh, she'll be back, I think, Tuesday. And then she'll come on the podcast probably uh, Friday or Saturday. So we'll come and, and we'll chat. So if you have questions for her or for me, we'll get to them. So if you're watching on YouTube, thank you guys. And as always, eat well, train hard, be nice to people. And please, you guys, keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.